The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. Welcome, everybody. Let's jump into the story of Joseph. That's the most important thing we're going to do this week. We're going to do a lot of fun stuff, a lot of cool stuff. That was a cool kickoff to the week, I ain't going to lie. Y'all are hot, man. (laughs) Y'all are out of control. But the most important thing we'll do is open God's Word a couple times a day um, in this setting. If you're new, we'll have a couple worship services a day. And if you've been here before, you know the drill, right? And hopefully you're anticipating and looking forward to this portion of our day. The, uh, the, the storyline of Joseph we will follow this week from Genesis 37 through the end of the story of Joseph, which is Genesis 50. So we're going to cover about 14 chapters of the Bible. There's a chapter in there we're going to skip, uh, so we'll actually cover about 13 chapters. Um, I don't know if you've ever been on a long trip. You've ever been on a really long trip, and, and especially when you're little and you're like, as soon as you get out of the driveway, you start asking how close or are we there or how much farther, you know what I mean? And this is going to be a long journey, but it's going to go by fast. It's been said that the days at Snowbird are long, but the weeks go by really fast. And I think that's pretty accurate. So it's going to seem as we start off tonight in Joseph's journey, we're going to get introduced to this guy as a 17-year-old guy. So we got a bunch of people in here probably that age. We'll start with a 17-year-old Joseph. We're going to end the story literally at the end of his life. And so he lives to be older. He lives to be past 100. But we'll really study from about age 17 Till he's about, until he's in his 50s. So it's a lot. We'll cover a lot. And, the, and, and you'll be able to follow along with the, with the um, Joseph video that we'll show before each sermon. You'll be able to piece the scenes together. But if you're serious about studying the Bible while you're here, I know a lot of people are going to want to, you're going to want to dig in, go deeper, you know, do, do, do some things to prepare your heart and your mind. Uh, and so now you know where we're going. We're just Genesis 37 through chapter 50. Um, uh, there's, there is a wonky, weird chapter in there, chapter 38. Just skip right over that, and uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay, so uh, um, now everybody's going to go read it. That's the first thing everybody's going to go read. I'm going to go read that. That sounds awesome. Um, so we're on this journey. We're, we're, we're cranking the truck. We're pulling out of the driveway right now, and it's going to be a really cool journey. We're going to follow this young dude. Let me, give you a, let me give you some backdrop to his family dynamic, sort of his situation. It's a weird situation. It's a really weird situation. So i got to use names so that you can kind of track this. So his dad's name is Jacob, but his dad's name is also Israel. He's got two names. So just think of it as first and last name. So his dad's name is Jacob. And many years ago, this guy, Jacob, he fell in love with this lady. Her name was Rachel, this girl named Rachel. Okay, now, I don't have time to go into this part of the story, but he got tricked, and he married Rachel's sister instead of Rachel. It's weird. It's weird. I, don't, I, I can't even still figure out how it happened, um, but it happened. And so he married her sister, who was named Leah, and then he was still in love with Rachel, so he did what apparently people back then might do, he just married the other sister, so then he had two wives, and they're both sisters. It's like before reality TV was a thing. He had sister wives, you know. And then along the way, he picked up a couple more baby mamas, so he ends up with four baby mamas, all right? 
Jacob was deeply in love with Rachel. She held his heart. She had, like, she had his heart. She was, like, he was deeply in love with her. But she couldn't, she couldn't have babies. She couldn't get pregnant. She, she wouldn't, wasn't getting pregnant. And so um, he ended up having these 11, these 10 sons. He has 10 sons from these other ladies, but he's still deeply in love with Rachel. That's who he's in love with. And finally, the Lord gives him and Rachel a kid, a, a child. And it's a boy. It's a son. His name's Joseph. And then later, they have another kid um, that would be Joseph's full brother. His name's Benjamin. And then when, when Rachel is given birth to Benjamin, Rachel actually died. She died as a result of complications in childbirth. And so this guy, Jacob, he loses the love of his life, but he's still sort of maintaining these other relationships. But what he now has is these two sons, Joseph and Benjamin, who like really, really have his heart. Can you see the story? You follow the progression. So he loves these boys, and maybe he loves them a little bit too, like, like in a way that's, that's very clear to the others that he shows favoritism to them. Like he loves them more than he loves the older brothers. And they're the youngest two dudes, but all the older brothers are a lot older. Like, for instance, uh, Leah had four sons. Let's see. She had Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. I think I got that right in order. And then Judah. So she had four sons before anybody else was born. There was already four sons to, to his second wife or to his, the second sister, to the, the one sister, Leah. So it's just a super dysfunctional situation. That's the family that uh, Joseph's born into. And so Joseph, he grows up among all these brothers, and they're all older than him. I had, when I, when I come from a pretty blended family, and I remember I had this, there was a guy who was older than me that came into my family. My parents brought him in um, when I was like, I think I was six or seven years, I think he was six years old, came to live with us, and he was a few years older than me, and man, he made me tough, you know, because he would just beat on me. I don't know if you're an older brother or younger brother. You know what I'm talking about. But, like, if you got an older brother and he's rough with you, you're going to be all right. Like, that's going to help you in life, okay? And if you're an older brother, if you are the older brother, just expect to get blamed for everything that ever happens under your roof, okay? That was my experience <laughs> with my younger brother. All right, so I remember growing up and this dude was so rough and I've got boys my oldest boy he's so rough on my two younger boys he just wears them out and you know what I do nothing because it's gonna make them tough it's gonna make them tougher and so Joseph grows up with these older brothers in fact like when Joseph's 17 in this story I don't know how old the oldest brother Reuben is but he's pretty old like like he's ancient, like over 30. <laughs> so he's like, uh, he's like in his 30s, I would assume, based on sort of like the timelines, but for sure he's a good bit older. And so that's where we'll pick the story up. We're going to get, now one, one more thing before I read, we're just reading 11 verses tonight. One more thing. As we go through the story this week, I want you to pay attention to what we would call character development. We talked, those of you that came last year, I know it's probably 50, 60% of us were here last year. We talked about this last year with David. Character development is where we sort of interact with the characters in the story and we feel like we get to know them by the end of the story. Have you ever watched your favorite like reality show or, or your favorite fictional series that you binge 10, 12 episodes, something like that? And by the end of that, 
you feel connected to some of the characters. Y'all, you, we've all had that experience, right? And sometimes that, that will happen even within a movie, like a single movie. By the end of that movie, you feel really connected to those characters. And so as we go through the story, we're going to get to know a lot about Joseph. He's the guy we're going to connect with the most. But we're going to learn a lot about the dad, Jacob, and we're going to learn a lot about these brothers because these dudes are savages. They are crazy, as you will see as the story unfolds. And so the story picks up tonight. The scene of the story is that these guys live way out in the country. They got a bunch of pastures. They got a bunch of livestock. The dad has separated them into like work groups. And he has put Joseph in charge of one work group. It's a work group with several other boys who would have been older than him in Joseph 17. So that's what the story picks up. Uh, and it'll get really crazy. Really crazy. Genesis 37, beginning in verse 1. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. These are the family records of Jacob. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. So there's, I think there's four boys between these two girls. I think these two girls had four. So he's got four half-brothers. He's working with these four, and they're older than him, and they're working together. And then Joseph, the dad, puts him out there and puts him in charge. And then Joseph comes to the dad and says, yeah, man, these guys are like, they're just knuckleheads. They're not getting the work done. They're just goofing off. They don't do what they're supposed to. And it seems like one of the first things we learn about Jacob is, one, is, the, is the first thing that we're going to see as like a common thing through the week, a common theme. And it's this, I'm sorry, about Joseph. So as we go through the week, there's this one idea about Joseph that I want it to be constantly in front of our minds. And it's this, Joseph is faithful. Joseph is faithful. And it doesn't, like, like the thing about being faithful is you'd be faithful to God, you'd be a faithful friend, you'd be a faithful son, you could be a faithful brother, you'd be a faithful teammate, you'd be a faithful classmate. You can be faithful no matter what your circumstances are. You can be faithful no matter, like you can be in the worst circumstances in life and you can be faithful to God and the people around you. And that's what we're going to learn is that he's a faithful dude. This is the first glimpse of it because he has been put. Now, what we know, if we go back and we study the previous ten, seven to ten chapters, what we know, especially if, if you go back and you study from about chapter 33, 32, 33, to where we're at tonight, go back and read the previous four chapters, here's what we know. These brothers were crazy, man. They were, they were nuts. And so Joseph as a faithful son and, and as a responsible, mature young dude has been put in charge over these older, older dudes. So we see the first glimpse in terms of character development. We see the first glimpse of Joseph's faithfulness. But he comes to his dad and he's like, gives him this bad report. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons. Okay, that's a problem. Israel is the dad. That's Jacob. We'll call him Jacob Israel. He loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age, and he had made a long-sleeved robe for him. Some translations of the Bible will say a coat of many colors. Some will say a coat that had ornamentation. 
What is the significance of the coat? Have y'all, most of us, have we heard the story of the coat of many colors? Is that somewhat familiar? I think there was a veggie tale about it. I'm sure they got it all wrong, uh, but whatever. So the point of the coat is not that it was beautiful, okay? It wasn't like the, the Pride Month jacket, you know, like, it's got many colors. It's Pride Month. He's like, we're selling. It wasn't that. It was a coat of status symbol, he had status in this coat. So how do we know that? Because the translation I'm reading from says it was, a, it was a coat with sleeves or robe with sleeves. And so what it was is if we study that culture and that era, what it was, it was like the coat or the jacket that the foreman or supervisor would wear. So it was a status symbol. His dad was saying, okay, Joseph is being faithful. He's helping to manage the family affairs. I'm going to put him in charge. I'm going to put this coat on him. This signifies that he's in, char- he's in charge. He's supervisor. Now, remember, he's 17. Some of these dudes are 30 years old. So he's in charge. So that's the significance of the coat. It's also significant that the dad loves, he loves Joseph more than the other brothers. Is that Joseph's fault? I don't think so. I think Joseph has been faithful. You can't, listen to me. You be faithful, and you cannot determine how other people perceive that or view you. Like some people are going to love you, some people are going to hate you. I will make you a deal right now. If you are faithful to Jesus, every step that you can be faithful to Jesus from now until the day you see his face, you're going to make a lot of friends, and you're going to make a lot of enemies. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is polarizing. And it's people that follow the Lord and try to do what's right and try to be obedient to God's word and submit to God's word and live in fellowship with the Lord and live in fellowship with others, especially other believers, and take a stand for what's right. There's times where it's going to be polarizing. So it's not, it's not Joseph's fault that his dad is showing him this favoritism. I think Joseph should be faithful, and his dad is like a complex person. He's got the, the, the pain of having lost his wife, Joseph's mother, but then he's also got the frustration associated with the way a lot of these boys have behaved, and Joseph's just been faithful. Okay, so let's keep going. When, verse 4, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. They're so mad. They, they hate him so bad just because the dad's nice to Joseph, just because the dad puts Joseph in charge, just because the dad you know, puts this robe on Joseph and says, this is this guy, he's in charge. That makes them hate him so much. They've got this jealousy and this resentment burning in their hearts. Then Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Okay, so he has a dream. And this is at a time in history where they did not have the Bible. And so oftentimes you'll see in the Old Testament in the early days of Scripture, God would speak to people through dreams because he didn't have the Word of God. Let me, you, you want to know how to hear from God in your life? Come before him every day, open your heart and your mind, open his Word, and expect that God's going to communicate to you through his Word. So I think it's important to point that out because a lot of times people will go, man, Joseph had dreams. Whoa, Daniel had dreams. Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. Jacob had dreams. Abraham had Right, there's like 6,000 years of history covered in the Bible, and there's like nine dreams. That's not normal. You know what is normal? The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God lives and stands forever. The Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It is able to pierce and divide into the very depths of your soul and conscience. 
God will speak to you through his word. You want to know why people fall away from the faith? They come out from under the, the, the authority of God's word. You want to know why people walk away from the faith? Because they stop loving God's word. You want to know why people have hearts that turn hard? It's because they become hardened to the word of God. This is how God speaks to us. This is how God speaks to us. But in these days, God was doing, and I, and I don't want to say God doesn't give people dreams and visions. He does sometimes. I have a daughter and son-in-law that serve in South Sudan as missionaries. And, and sometimes God, there are crazy conversion stories of God speaking to people through dreams and visions. And then those people come to faith in Jesus. That happens. But it, what I'm saying to you is it's not normal. And you're here with a youth group that's associated with the church that preaches the gospel. And you've got a copy of scripture. This is how you can expect to hear from God. When you open this book, the God of the universe will speak to you. He'll talk to you, communicate with you. He'll change your life, and it'll keep changing your life. But Joseph has a dream. We know that the dream is from the Lord. God is speaking to him through this dream. So he's going he's gonna to tell his brothers about the dream. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. Okay, he shouldn't have told them. I don't think he should have told them. Sometimes, sometimes you can be really good in your intentions and do the wrong and just make a mistake. I think you messed up here, but it's all in part of God's plan. So he said to them, listen to this dream I had. I'm just picture like, they're all, I, don't, I don't know, what was the scene? Were they all at breakfast, you know? Everybody's kind of groggy. Were they out in the field? Were they playing stickball? Whatever they played back in the way, wrestling? Because they, like, they already don't talk to him. Was it like, was it like, because it said they, they wouldn't speak peaceably to him. So was it like, they won't talk to him. And he's like, hey, hey, guys, listen, listen, I got a story. And he's going to tell them this dream. I don't know exactly what it was like. But he comes down there. He says, hey, I got a dream that I want to tell you about. There we were. He's a good storyteller. There I was. There we were. Binding sheaves of grain in the field. Now, if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, man, I had a crazy dream last night. Like, you get a homeroom, you know, first block. You're barely awake. Kid beside you's like, dude, I had a crazy dream. There I was, binding sheaves in the field. You would be like, what in the world is this guy talking about? He needs to go back to sleep. Whatever he had before he went to sleep, he's still tripping on it. But that, this was normal conversation, like normal terminology. Binding sheaves was like, what he's describing is the gathering of like wheat or grain. It's like the way they would gather grain um, when they were harvesting it. Suddenly my sheaf stood up and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. So he's like, basically all y'all bowed down to me in my dream. Are you really going to reign over us? His brothers asked him. Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream. Told it to his brothers. <laughs> he just don't learn, man. He shouldn't have said this. Look, he said, I had another dream. Like, they didn't like the first one, you know? You'd think he would have figured it out. Like, maybe I shouldn't say anything here. I had another dream, and this time the sun, moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He told his father and brothers, and his father rebuked him. What kind of dream is this that you've had, he said. Am I and your mother and your brothers really going to come bow, bow down to you? bow down to the ground before you his brothers were jealous of him but his father kept the matter in mind it's funny i think it's really funny that interaction with his dad right there at the end it's like his dad's like hey man knock it off what do you, what do you think that's a what's dumb what's a, i don't know maybe he might be telling the truth like the dad's wrestling with it you know and if you know much about the father this guy uh uh jacob the dad he had a history of having dreams and visions where God spoke to him. And it seems like it, it makes a, a, 
right there at the end, it's like the dad, Jacob, he was thinking about it. He was like, something might be going on here. Something's up. Like something's happening. He recognizes that something's happening. But the brothers just get more and more angry, more and more jealous. So that sets the stage for the story. And I want to give you three thoughts of study for the week that are all evident in this first story, in the first chapter of the story. And they're going to be sort of thematic as we go through the week. So take our last five minutes, six minutes here. I want to give you these three main ideas, main thoughts that we're going to constantly come back to. All week, we're going to come back to it. You talk to any Snowbird staff here, there's a couple things they can tell you. They can tell you the Snowbird mission statement. They can probably tell you what wreck they work, hopefully. And they can tell you these three main ideas. And it's this, Joseph is faithful. That's number one. Joseph is faithful. But even though he is faithful, his life and circumstances are very difficult. Oftentimes, doing the right thing, being faithful, will bring difficulty into your life. But Joseph was faithful. We're going to see that continue. Number two, the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph had surrendered his life to the Lord. The Lord was with Joseph. This is a promise that we have as believers. Those of us who are Christians, no matter what, the Lord is going to go with you, be with you in all things. I had a guy come up to me at church yesterday. He said, hey, can I talk to you? We stepped aside, stepped to the side down front there, and he said, uh, he said, man, I heard, he said he had watched like a, I don't know if it's a, like a TikTok video or something on Instagram, but he's like, I watched this today and it shook me up. He said, because I don't know what I would do in this situation. He said, I'm, I'm, I saw this video where this guy, he's, he pulls up to a drive-thru and he says to the kid in the window, the person in the window, he says, hey, I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you. And the guy in the window got really mad and he barked back at him and he said, I was sexually abused from the time I was five till I was seven or whatever, something like that. He's like, if Jesus loves me, then why did he let that happen? And my girlfriend that I'm living with now, the same thing happened to her. If Jesus loves us, why did that happen? And my buddy at church, he was spun out because he's like, I heard that. And I, if somebody said it to me, I don't know how to respond. I don't know the answer. And I'm going to tell you all the answer tonight. I'm going to tell you the answer. When you commit your life to Jesus, he walks through your pain with you. And he will stabilize you. And he will bring healing. And he will give you peace in the midst of turmoil. And he will give you calm in the midst of a storm. He has never said that he will keep us from the difficulties that we might face in this world. But he promises to heal and give peace and give hope and bring comfort and he's promised us his presence he'll never leave us in fact he said i'll never leave you i'll never forsake you and joseph's going to go through some hard times in this story over the next few days the lord's going to be with him the lord has promised that he'll never leave us we put our trust in him he'll be with us in all things the lord is with us in fact i would even say jesus coming into the world happened and he was called emmanuel which means god with us God would be among us. God would dwell among us. He would be with us. And then when he left, he left his spirit to abide in us. 
So that as I abide in Christ, Christ's spirit abides in me. So when I'm dealing with the pain and suffering and hardship of childhood or trauma or some difficulty I've gone through, my parents have split up or my friends have turned their backs on me or I've gone through an ugly breakup, I can know this, that if I'm in Christ, Jesus Christ has put his spirit in me and he will stabilize me, strengthen me, solidify me and walk through the difficulty with me. You don't have to go by yourself. You don't have to go alone. So we're going to learn that the Lord was with Joseph. We're going to see what that looks like. And number three, the last thing, we're going to repeatedly learn that the Lord is sovereign. God has given Joseph these dreams as part of something that God is revealing to humanity. Now, we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit. We know how the story goes from here. But as the story unfolds, what we're going to learn is that God is the one giving him the dreams. Joseph is receiving from God literally a prophetic image or vision of what the future is going to be. So what does it mean that God is sovereign? Let me explain this. We'll give you a definition from a guy named John Frame. And that's how we'll close things out. The sovereignty of God is the same as the lordship of God. For God is the sovereign over all of creation. So what does that mean? Lordship, you guys can recognize that word. Think of like kings and royalty. And like think of maybe a movie or a story you've read where the king, like when he comes in, people have to bow down to him. People have to kneel down before him. Maybe they have to like, you know, kiss his ring or whatever. Like there's, there's like lordship means he has authority and control over. That's what lordship means. So the sovereignty of God is the same as the lordship of God, for God is the sovereign over all of creation. All of creation. The major components of God's lordship are his control, his authority, and his covenantal presence. This is an important definition because what will sometimes happen is we'll go, well, if God is all-powerful and he has control and authority and power, then why did that bad thing happen to that five-year-old kid? Well, that's where we jump to the third piece, his covenantal presence. He enters into our suffering and dwells with us in the suffering so that he might provide comfort and healing and bring us out of the suffering. Because reality is we live in a fallen world. Do we live in a fallen world? Is the world broken? Do you feel that? I feel it every day. It's messed up, man. The world's broken. The world's messed up. And we live in a fallen world and God's covenantal presence. What do we even mean when we say covenantal presence? What does that mean? It means he has promised and sealed it in the blood of Jesus. It's sealed in blood, a promise to you and I. Not only will he save us, but he'll stay with us all the days of our lives and usher us into his kingdom. It's his covenantal presence that he's always with us. His presence is promised. So, the summary is this. The sovereignty of God is the fact that he's the Lord over creation. As sovereign, he exercises his rule. This rule is exercised through God's authority as king, his control over all things and his presence with his covenant people and throughout his creation. His very divine name, Yahweh, expresses this sovereign rule over against the claims of human kings. Because God is personal to you and I. He's given us his spirit. His sovereign control is not impersonal. It's not robotic or mechanical. But it's loving and organic and gracious. And it's oversight in our lives from the king of creation and the king of salvation. He wants to know you and be with you. Joseph's life's going to display that for us. 
Joseph's story is going to display that for us. Joseph's relationship to God is going to put that on display. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to change our lives this week. This story is going to change your life. It's unbelievable. It's one of the most amazing stories I've ever done a deep dive into. It has is, it is shaped my life so much over the last month. And I can't wait to share it with you. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review. And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.